Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. We are a small church located in West Lafayette, Indiana. This podcast is our recorded Sunday morning teachings. Join us as we learn to love, grow, and share what God has given us. Good morning, Grace Church. Come on in and find your seat. It was a foggy morning driving in today, which was very exciting, but it looks sadly like the fog is gone, which is all right. As you come in and you start settling into your seat, getting ready to hear, I have a question. When was the last time, if ever, when was the last time someone mocked you for being a Christian or shunned you, ridiculed you? beat you, or killed you? Any of those options? When was the last time you faced suffering or persecution, even a mild bit, for being a Christian? And my other question I was thinking about was, when was the last time you lost a friend because you chose to stand with Jesus and say, I'm going to agree with Jesus, and that other person walked away? I don't know if that's ever happened to you. As we're talking through 1 Peter, I realize that's a lot of what we face in our country, is people choosing not to be with us anymore, to say things on the way out the door, because they don't agree with what we believe Jesus wants us to know and do. So, I know this happens as a pastor all the time. I have dozens and dozens of people where I attempt to graciously talk to them about the Lord, and they decide they don't like it, and they say a bunch of nasty stuff on the way out the door. Back before I was a pastor, I worked at a hardware store, and I was, everybody knew I was the Christian kid, you know. I didn't really talk to them all about Jesus that much, but they all knew I went to church, and I was squeaky clean. I didn't swear. I didn't, you know, um, had no girlfriend, all this kind of stuff. And I remember one of the older guys, he was probably like 62, and I heard him talking about me in the next aisle over. It's one of my fellow employees. He's like, oh, that Tom drives me nuts. He takes that Jesus stuff way too seriously, you know? And I just remember thinking about that. I'm like, I mean, I I think you guys just don't take it seriously enough, you know? But if we as believers want to stand with Jesus, we have to realize there can be consequences in this life. And that's what we're talking about in 1 Peter is as we walk with Jesus, we get to choose if we're going to stand with Christ or if we're going to be like the world. And as we read through this whole book, that's what we're talking about. We're continuing our series today. Our sermon today is about arming ourselves. It talks about arming ourselves like Christ. And so Peter is starting to bring us full circle to help the believers understand how to truly live out their life in this world that doesn't agree with what we believe. So why don't we start off, I was going to start off in prayer. I also forgot we have one extra announcement. Today's a special Sunday. Um, We're going to be, after the sermon, before the potluck, we're going to be appointing a new pastor in our church. Well, it's kind of an old pastor. My dad... Chris Biang moved back here. He had been a pastor previously, and he's returning. And we 
thought it appropriate that he continue to be one of the pastors of this church. So after the service, Fred and I are going to talk and lay hands on him, and uh, then we're going to go eat some food. So prepare yourself for that. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but as we get into First Peter here, why don't we pray and then dive into what God has for us today? Lord Jesus, thank you that we can come together to remember you, God, to be reminded, renewed, and refreshed in the knowledge of you, in the word that you have given us to know and understand, and the spirit you have put inside of our hearts through Jesus Christ. God, I know just singing those songs, I was just humbled myself just recognizing how easy it is for me to be distracted from spending time with you. God, how easy it is for me to put my mind on other things or my hope in other things, Lord, when, Lord Jesus, you, you are our only hope. God, just thanks for your word here today. I just pray that today you'd be softening our hearts, helping us to have ears that desire to hear, hearts that desire to know, and a will that's willing to obey what you have for us today. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing on Peter. The last while, I don't have our slides up here today. We've had them up a lot of what the overview of our book of 1 Peter is. We've only got, oh, wow. Noodle, I didn't put that in there. Someone cheated. That's okay. Um, hey, look, we've got our outline. Thank you, Kara. Um, we're walking through the book. We're getting close to the end. I believe we have one, two, three more weeks of 1 Peter after this before we're done. And we're starting on Part number, we're ending part number four of what does it look like to live in this culture, in this world where we are exiles? And this is the last bit of the section we've talked about in this section about how do we live relating to the government? How does God want us to do that? How does he want us to relate to our superiors or supervisors? How do we relate to husbands or wives in this world? And also, just in general, how do we relate to everyone? And this is kind of the capstone piece reminding us all and bringing it full circle to help the believers understand they need to put on Christ as they relate to the world around them. They don't get to just live life like everybody else. We are called to something so very different. So why don't we read verses? I'm going to read from the English Standard Version ESV. Um, it'll be on the screen. We have 11 verses today from chapter 4. You can uh, open your Bible, open your app, read along, whatever is best for you guys. I just encourage you to really listen and think through what we're reading here, and then I'm going to share some of my thoughts of what I see and what I understood that I think is significant for us today. So 1 Peter 4, 1 says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passion, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But... They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. 
For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So as I was reading and studying and praying through this section, the thing that jumped out to me was the phrase, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves. And that is what we're talking about today. Peter encourages them to arm themselves. Um, I don't know, is anybody armed here today? You don't have to show hands. Usually Zirkel's got a gun on him. Do you, do you happen to have a gun? Yeah, you got two arms over there. Yeah. I was hanging out with... Um, a group of pastors yesterday, I was riding back from Chicago with them, and they spent a good 30 minutes of the ride talking about all the guns they have and the armament, not with them, but what they want to buy, all this kind of stuff. I have no idea about guns. Um, last time, two times ago, I shot a gun. We accidentally shot the neighbor's car. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's a story. I'll share it. It's fine. <laughs> my, uh, my buddy bought a Mosin Nagant rifle. This was a World War II Russian infantry rifle. It was also their sniper rifle in World War II. And he bought it and bought a bunch of ammo. I was really excited. My dad owned 20 acres just northwest of town here, and we decided, let's go shooting. Most of us don't have a lot of experience shooting. My dad's like, uh, I don't know, guys. But, okay, if you make sure you're shooting downrange, there's nothing you're going to hit, you know, that you're shooting downhill into the dirt, whatever. And we're like, oh, yeah, no problem. Then we go out there. We got some pumpkins and some water jugs. And um, I had thought I knew exactly there's, like, just miles and miles of cornfield in that direction. So we spend all day shooting some, you know, my buddies are lying down on the ground and shooting. And it's frozen, so the bullets are, like, ricocheting up into the trees. It's crazy. Anyway, about, what, the next day. I want to say, the next day, my dad's neighbor, who's a farmer, he had a pine tree farm, he comes over and says, hey, Chris, were you guys, um, were you shooting the other day? He's like, uh, well, my boy was out there, and he's like, I want, I want to show you something. And he had a brand new Mitsubishi Galant that he had bought for his son's birthday. And apparently, in the woods, he had a really nice pole barn and he thought, oh, I'll park the car in the pole barn and surprise my son with it. And it just happened to be exactly in line with where we were firing. And we put two bullets through his car, his brand new car. And um, it, was, it was a real mess. Anyway, um, I haven't shot many guns since then. Let's just say that. I'm a little um, gun shy, if you will. So arming yourself is important. You need to know what you're doing with your weapons. You need to have the right weapons. You need to make sure you know what the fight is going to be that you are fighting. And then you need to make sure you're not bringing a knife to a gunfight. Have you ever heard that phrase before? 
if you come with a knife and someone's got a gun, you're going to lose. That's just the way it is. As Christians, we are facing a great battle in this world right now that you cannot see. If you're not paying attention, you might miss it completely. But there is a battle in this world, a battle for souls. People knowing Christ or not. People repenting of their sins and being destined for eternity or people rejecting God and his goodness and facing the judgment that God has for them. And right now, every person you know is somewhere either they know the Lord or they don't. They have been forgiven for their sins or they haven't. And the battle is God wanting every soul in this world to know him, accept his forgiveness, and walk with him. And he has given them that choice, I believe. Today we're talking about we, how do we arm ourselves for this important battle that God has for us. That there are enemies and forces in this world that are against us. And we need to know how do we walk in the way God wants us to walk in this world. It's not by shooting the neighbor's car, I'll tell you that. Um, what I love about our section today is, as I read it, I was reminded by many of the things we've already talked about. A lot of what's in this section starts to mirror what we read in chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Looking back and putting our hope and our mind on when Christ returns, and not now. Turning away from evil and sin, and living like Christ wants us to live in this world. It's all a similar theme from what he had at the start. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the verses today and try to discern what are the right weapons and what are the wrong weapons for us to equip in our lives today that we could walk the way God wants us to walk. So first, let's take a look at what it means to arm yourselves. Um, this verse here, I love this verse. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, meaning he, when he lived on earth, he suffered, was persecuted, and died. And rose again. Don't forget that part, but that's good. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. When I talk about arming yourselves, I'm not talking about what kind of offensive weapon we're going to go and fight with. It is a battle inside our minds. What are we going to believe? What are we going to choose to live? We need to think the same way Jesus thought, is what this verse is telling us. We need to put off what our old self thinks, and put on the way Christ thought. That word for um, same way of thinking, other translations translate it as the same mindset as Christ, the same purpose as Christ. It's a direct, directing kind of ideology here. It's like Jesus knew what he was after, and he chose to go that direction regardless of the consequences. Peter is telling us, in this world, we get to think the same way. Just like Jesus walked in God's will in everything he did. He was willing to accept the suffering and the persecution that came from walking in God's will. And he responded in love to those who maligned him for the sake of their salvation. And Peter is telling us, just like Jesus did what was right, was willing to be persecuted for it, and responded in love to those around him. We are called to the same 
thing. The same way of responding to others. If you guys are thinking, well, how did Christ think? What did it look like? Let's go back a couple of chapters to chapter 2, because he's actually saying, since therefore Christ suffered, he's already talked in this book about how Christ suffered. So let's go back a couple of chapters. This is chapter 2. OJ taught on this section a few weeks ago. Chapter 2, 21 through 24, is what, here's what it says about Christ. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. It's almost the exact same thing we're talking about today. We might follow in his steps, following his example. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body, on the tree, and by the tree it means the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So we look at Jesus. Jesus didn't sin. Attest that all the way through scripture he lived a perfect life. He also didn't respond in anger or defensively when people abused him. That's pretty crazy in our life, if you think about it. I don't know how you guys respond when people say nasty things about you, what your natural response is. Jesus' response was different when people reviled him. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He didn't try to fight back to harm other people to protect himself. He chose willingly to go down the route of suffering because he knew that was the route that was needed to see many souls come to Christ. He died that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And finally, I think it's interesting, it says he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. As he faced persecution and sorrow, he didn't think these people are getting away with it. They're going to all these evil, wicked people in this world are going to have to someday face judgment. It's up to me. No, he knew. He entrusted himself to God the Father, the one who will judge all people someday for what they have done. So he felt like he was able to walk through these things humbly without responding. That is the example we are called to follow to walk in what's right, be willing to suffer for it, and to respond with kindness and love and humility because we care about other people's salvation. Last week, my dad was teaching. Peter 3, it shares, again, similar things. It says, For Christ also suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And then it continued and says, he went into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. I think that's so interesting. Um, I pointed at the verse. That's not even that verse, but that's fine. <laughs> Imagine my verse was there. I didn't put it up there. It's my fault. Um, Jesus willingly died to bring the unrighteous and make them righteous that we might be with God. And what is his reward? 
Now he is been exalted above every name. He is in heaven. All authority, all powers, all dominions, all kingdoms are subject to him. He's the boss now. It says that he went through this suffering for the joy that was set before him. He didn't look at the sorrow and think that's going to motivate me. The pain will motivate me to not go. He was willing to say and acknowledge the pain. He did. It was the most excruciating thing anyone has ever gone through. Going to the cross, not just physically being beaten and dying, but bearing the weight of sin in this world, every sin, every wrongdoing on himself. The sorrow was immense. But the reason he went through with it was because his eyes weren't on the sorrow. His eyes were on the joy and the reward that God had for him. That's our example. We're called to the same thing, to look to the joy and the reward of following Christ, of laying down our lives like Christ laid down his life and following his example, and knowing that there will be pain and sorrow. In fact, it's a promise from 1 Peter, I think. I don't remember. Have we talked about that one yet, Fred, or is that next week? Where it says that everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Is that next week? Okay, Fred will talk more about that, and that's going to be wonderful. We are called to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking like Christ. But I think arming ourselves involves two things, and it almost always involves two things. It's putting off and putting on. Putting off something old and putting on something new. So, the first thing we need to do to arm ourselves like Jesus is put down what's wrong. Set down the things we're doing that are ineffective weapons in this fight. The things that are leading us to not be engaged or to be um, led astray in what we're supposed to be doing. We need to put down what's wrong. And we're going to take a look at this verse 1 again here and walk through the rest of uh, the next six verses. 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time of the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. We want to arm ourselves like Christ. We need to put down the sin in our lives, push it away, cast it out, no longer live for human passions, but for the will of God. It's so the first thing is we need to stop the sin in our lives. It talks about this. We hold on to our sin. When Christ came, he died for sin to forgive the eternal penalty of sin in our lives, that the judgment we deserve has been forgiven on the cross. That's good news, guys, by the way. I don't know if any of you guys have ever actually gone to court for something bad you've done. I never have. But I know that, like, if you do something bad, you've got to pay for it. We have done Every one of us has done things that is eternally bad to the point that we deserve death and separation from God forever, and yet Christ forgave those things. However, in this life now, there are still consequences for our sin. Our sin still can cause us to drift from God, from that close abiding relationship with him. We can be saved and still waste our lives in sin and sorrow because we are not putting down the wrong things. 
I think the reason we as Christians and the reason this world is so prone to sin in part is because they don't think like Christ. They think, we think that our sin solves our problems. It's a weapon we use to solve what we think we need. When I was younger, I really struggled with pornography and masturbation and other things like that. And the reason why I struggled, I knew I shouldn't do it, and I had a hard time stopping. And as I really started to reflect on my own life, I had a hard time stopping because deep down it met something, a need I felt like I had. I felt like I needed to be loved, and that was a mechanism where I felt like that was being met. It was a lie. It never satisfied me. It never helped me. However, it was a weapon I was using wrongly in this fight. What's really interesting here is, well, let me back up. I think deep down each one of us has cravings and desires that we try to use sin to fulfill. The trouble is no amount of sin ever fulfills our desires. These passions we have in us cannot be satisfied by anything apart from God and what he has given us. When we go apart from God and try to satisfy ourselves in something else, no matter what that is, that is sin. And instead of satisfying that craving, it only feeds the beast, and we want more and more, and pretty soon we're trapped and we're enslaved. Now, Peter here says something really interesting. He says, For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, that's an interesting statement. I do not believe that means that as a Christian, when you physically suffer, you never sin ever again. I don't think that that is what it's saying. But what I do think it's saying is that every one of us, we have a choice to make. Are we going to choose to follow Christ? Or are we going to choose to do what's easy? Are we going to choose the suffering that comes from doing what's right? Or are we going to make excuses for why we don't want to follow Christ and continually fall short and get pulled aside? I think many of us in our lives, we're not so sure we want to suffer. We don't know that I, we want to be ridiculed by our friends or be pushed aside because we don't want to engage in the same things we used to engage in. I think a lot of us live a life on the fence between wholehearted devotion to Christ and a life of sin. I think we're on a, a fence leaning over the wrong side, and that is a slippery slope that always leads to sin. And I think what Peter is saying is when we choose to suffer according to God's will, there's a power in that obedience that allows us to overcome the sin in our lives. When we start to recognize that sin will never satisfy me, only Christ will. When we experience the pain of saying no to sin, there's a freedom there. Let's go to the next verse. I think this is interesting. This is the first time Peter tells the believers here that he's writing to. This is the first time he tells them why they're suffering. Maybe one of the first times. There might be a few others, but this one I thought was interesting. He tells them, 
Suffering means that we can be free from sin. Choosing to obey God and suffer for it means that we can walk in freedom. But here's what he says here too. It says, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. What he means by that is, before you knew Christ, you lived a life of sin, and that was good enough. You've experienced that, and it's bad. It's not good. The time is done. You know that doesn't lead to life anymore. The Gentiles do. They're living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatries. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. This is telling him, Peter's saying, look, you are being persecuted, you are suffering, people are against you because you won't do the sinful things anymore that you used to do with them. You won't engage in these things, and now they don't like it. And they suffer for it because they are choosing to stand for what's right and not do what's wrong. I wish Andrew was here because he always loves my stories of geology camp. I was in Wyoming for six weeks. I studied geology in college, and we went and lived out in um, Wyoming, wandered around the fields and all kinds of stuff. But I was one of the, there's maybe like 40 of us there, and maybe three or four of us were believers, and the rest weren't. And I was trying to, it was a real temptation to be with these people and I had just turned 21, and they drank a lot. That's one thing about geologists. Geologists love their beards, and they love their drinking, okay? As you can see, I've got some of it. They're also all womanizers. It's just horrible. Anyway, even <laughs> my uh, bad joke was even the women were <laughs> women. No, okay. The beards on those women is just horrible. Um, anyways, they have, always had these drinking parties. And I'm like, well, I want to be, like, of the people, but, like, Nah, and so I would go and I'd have a, a beer or a drink with them, and they would just get really raging drunk. And I'm like, I'm not here for that, but I'll be around them because I want to be a light. Well, one day they invited me to a party because one of the guys had left. He was a guy none of them liked, so the day after he left, they threw a going-away party for him. It was a celebration that he was gone. And I, I didn't know that I went there, and I'm like, so what's the party for? They're like, well, Stephen's gone, and so we're throwing a party. And I'm just like, wow, that's like the rudest thing I've ever heard. I, I don't feel in my conscience that that is a good thing, and I don't want any part of it. And they were unhappy about that. They didn't like that I was willing to say, no, I won't do that because I think you guys are doing something dumb. They talked to me. They said some nasty things to me because I chose to stand for what's right. And then from then on out, I wasn't invited to any more parties, which is probably good, you know? But the reality is, any connection I had with those guys, I lost a bit of it because I wasn't willing to engage with them in the wrong they were doing. And the wrong they were doing was wrong. It was not kind. It was not good. It was not like Christ. They didn't think anything of it. For them, that was absolutely normal. And because I chose to stand on what I believe God wanted me to stand on. I was rejected. I was a self-righteous person that they just thought was, I was just too much for them, and they didn't like me anymore after that. Very mild. Much of the world is not like that. Much of the rest of the world, if you are a Christian and you stand and want to believe what Christ is doing, there is great persecution. 
great persecution in this world. There are Christians dying today for what they believe. When we suffer for following Christ, it says we cease from sin. Sin has a great pull on us. These parties, sensuality, passions, drunkenness, these things have a great pull on us and pull us away and distract us from following Christ. I think Peter is telling them, guys, get serious. Get serious in your sin. You no longer need those things, and they're not going to bring you life. They're only a distraction. The modern list of sins, I don't know what you guys would put on that list. I'm not sure how many orgies I've seen around, but drinking parties are pretty common. But I think for Christians today, what are the temptations we face? Pornography, sexual relations outside of marriage, um, dating relationships, these things can be a great distraction from what God is doing in this world. Pursuing internet fame, I know several people that want to be influencers with their life, and they've devoted themselves to that. Wealth, pursuing comfort. All these different things are things, I think, today where we are trying to satisfy something in us that is separate from what God wants. The last bit of the verse here, we don't have time to get into today. I personally think it might harken back to some of what I was being taught last week about the spirits in prison and things like that. It could also just mean the gospel is preached even to those who are dead, meaning like there are people who were believers and have been persecuted and killed for it. That's another option. What it says is, though they were judged in the flesh, meaning it could mean mankind, looked at them, judged them, and executed them the way that Christ had. They, are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Anyways, we're going to move on. If, if you guys want to talk about that later, we can. Anyway, the last bit here of what we want to look at, that's putting off sin, choosing to suffer for the sake of putting off sin. But you never just put something off. You always have to pick up what's right. You always have to pick up what's right. And throughout Scripture, that's the pattern. Paul talks about it in many of his epistles. Putting off the old self, putting on the new self. It's the same idea I think Peter has for us here. God never tells us to put something down without also having something better for us to pick up. So our last few verses here, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9 says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality with one another without grumbling. And we'll stop there before we read the rest of the verses. I think that this is the right weapons we are called to. That as we engage with these things, this is where real life lies. It's not in the sin. It's in putting off the sin and walking in what's right. He says the end of all things is at hand. He's reminding us Christ is coming soon. That there is a reality in this world today that when you're at work, when you're in school, when you're at home, there's a spiritual reality in this world. And we need to be paying attention. It says be self-controlled, meaning keep track of yourself. Don't just get swept away in the storm of everything else. Be sober-minded. Don't just be filled with all kinds of silly thoughts all the time. Focus on what's really true. Be sober-minded. Don't just be mindlessly doom-scrolling on your phone. 
don't just endlessly binge watch Parks and Rec or whatever it is people are watching nowadays. I don't know. Um, don't endlessly play your video games trying to distract yourself from your problems. I'm not saying any of those things are inherently wrong, but I do think they're all things that lead us away from doing what's right. Put those aside. Instead, take some time. Devote yourself to prayer. Prayer for your life. Prayer for the church. Prayer for your family. Prayer for your friends who don't know Christ. Devote yourself to prayer because the end is at hand. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. In this world, when someone sins against someone else, you cut them off, push them away, or try to hurt them to make them stop or change. But Christian love is different. The way God loves us is full of forgiveness and grace, overlooking faults, not willing to hold on to things. And that's the, what he calls us to as well as Christians. We, when someone persecutes us or they wrong us, we choose to forgive and we earnestly seek to keep loving them. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's a similar idea that what we have, we give. We don't hoard things for ourselves as believers. That's just not what Christ's heart is. We share. We abundantly try to bless one another when there are needs. I saw a quote this week. It said, Hatred makes the worst of everything, but love is entitled to bury things out of sight. And our last verses here, I think, are really fun. This might be something to pray through this week, to think about. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's interesting about this verse is, Scripture is clear. Everyone who knows Christ, God has gifted you. He has given you abilities, some physical, some spiritual. All of us have gifts and talents that God has given us. And what we do with them matters. He says, what do we do with these gifts? They are given to you for the sake of the other people in the church and in this world. We use them to serve others. I think it's beautiful. He gives the list. There's many lists in scriptures about all the different ways and the varied ways God has given his blessing on his people, his grace, to build up the church. And here today, all of us have gifts. My gift is being loud and annoying. Your gift might be to put up with me being loud and annoying. It's possible. Some of you are gifted in serving, that you just see issues and just jump in and serve. Some of you are good at encouraging. You see someone who's down and you have the right word to share with those people. Some of you have the gift of mercy. When someone is hurting, you come alongside to comfort. And there's many, many more and Peter is encouraging them, instead of wasting your time on sin, invest your time in serving. Serving others and serving the church. And doing it 
as though God were doing it through you. And as we arm ourselves by putting off our sin and stepping into a loving service to one another, that is going to make the difference in this world. As we start to think like Christ and say, I'm going to serve others so that they know Jesus and walk with him. It gives us life. We're walking in the calling God has for our lives, and that is where we start to experience the joy and the hope as we walk with him in it. So as we conclude here, I just want to encourage you guys to arm yourselves like Christ did. Put on the same kind of thinking to choose today that as you face the opportunity to suffer for Christ, you would. You would choose that instead of choose the easy way out. I believe, now that you have heard this message, God is going to give each and every one of you the opportunity this week to choose to suffer for Christ. I don't know if it's true or not, but in my heart, that's what I felt like. And if you're really bold and courageous and you really want to know Christ and put off sin and follow what he has, I encourage you, take some time today and ask him for that opportunity to suffer with him this week for knowing Christ. It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to say, God, I'm willing to suffer for you. That's what we are called for. And as we choose it, that's where life is. Why don't we pray? God, just thank you for your example. God, thank you that we can know that there is suffering in this world as we follow you, but there is also life. God, that as we follow you and give our lives to know you and help other people know you, God, that there will be persecution, but that is not really a bad thing because it helps us be serious in following you and put off our sin. God, I just pray that you would arm us with the same way of thinking like Christ did. Give us the opportunity, the courage, and the strength to say no where we need to say no in our lives. God, and to um, suffer along with you. Lord, we just ask for your blessing and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website, wlgrace.org. See you next week.